everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Wednesday night, December 21st. It is the first day of winter. This is also, I believe, that it was either the 20th or the 21st that my parents used to take us to the Galleria in um, in White Plains, New York, and we give each other our first gifts of the of the year. It was just ornaments. We would sit in the food court and give each other ornaments because I think that was the uh, I think that was the night that my that was how my my parents became engaged. That was nice. The twentieth, twenty-first, somewhere around there. That's when they would we would go over there to the uh, the Galleria, and that was always a fun time. And you know. You just knew that the big day was getting closer. And I always enjoyed the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. More than even Christmas Eve. Because to to be so close to something so fun, but not there yet, that was was all the more... Because there's there's still so much to come. So I I, I always liked the journey to certain things. Because... um, you don't have to say goodbye to it just yet. That was my whole thing. So I love these days. It's also my sister-in-law's birthday today. So happy birthday, Jess. And um, and yeah, we have a good show tonight. We have Chris Ann Hall is coming back. We do this every year. I love having her on. I mean, she she's on as close to once a month as possible because there's always stuff going on and we can get a history lesson Always, there's always a teachable moment in the things that make the news these days and don't make the news because everything is designed to rook us of our birthright here in the United States. And it was always good to have a historian and a uh, constitutional scholar to be on with us. So um, when we get into the holiday area, it's something different. That's something different because she's a woman of great faith too. So it always leaves a nice imprint on your soul as we go into these next few days so tonight tonight after discussing some current events that i want to ask her about because i'm sure she has plenty to say about the 4155 page omnibus spending boondoggle i i'm i have to imagine she has something to say about that um i want to get into some american legends and lore and lessons to be taken away from the Christmas season, American Christmas. So I told her, and she said, I'll, I'll be ready. I said, great, can't wait. And then we're going to end the show with some more, some more traditional things that we do around here at this time of year. Tomorrow night's show is going to be great. I already have so many notes. I'm going to get on the phone with John Paul Rice sometime early on in the afternoon tomorrow to, to map out uh, where the first points, uh, parts of our discussion are going to be about Frank Capra, It's a Wonderful Life, and the certain themes in there that we can make relevant to today. And then we're also going to pick a scene each. He already sent me his favorite scene, and I really love it. I, I, I'm glad he, he picked this. Um, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. More good stuff to do tomorrow, uh, including including the, 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 video, the video of Lauren... And uh, the video of of, uh, uh, of Lauren and I putting together uh, the the Washington's eggnog. I haven't been able to get that together because the 
videos were corrupted, so I sent them to somebody else. They slapped them together, sent them to me, so I now I just have to shave them down and cut them up and, and make sure that they're all uh, efficient. It's really great. Really good stuff. I can't wait to taste it. The eggnog is just sitting in the refrigerator. Got a couple more days to go. It recommended seven days. When all said and done, it'll probably have about six. There's a lot of liquor in that. And it's only about three quarts or so. Oh, no, no, no. Well, the, the liquor makes it way more than three quarts. But it's going to be great. No doubt. No doubt. I might keep that for a Friday night or tomorrow night. Here's the only thing I have to say about Friday night with my family. Now, all of a sudden, we have a lot. We have like three inches of rain coming in on Thursday going into Friday. And then this deep freeze comes in. If it's a really bad evening... My parents have already intimated that uh, they're not going to brave it. I will be here, however, because I can't have I can't have the weekend like that. Maybe next year I'll have a little bit more of a more comfortable setup at home to do things like that on the fly, especially in the face of inclement weather. But uh, that's not what's going on this year. So no matter what, we'll be together on Friday night. I hope it's with my family. If not, I already have a contingency plan. My father and my mother, I'll have them come back the next Friday, the 29th, and we'll just do the last show of the year together instead. And we'll, we'll I don't know, we'll tie it all, tie it all up. It's not going to be as Christmassy, of course, because we're going to be on the other side of that hill, but... I don't know. There, a lot of people are getting hit by some real bad weather. We're even on, we're on the outskirts of that. It's really more so around the Midwest. There's a big storm system, winter storm system moving through. Texas is freezing again. Boy, oh boy. So I'm I'm arranging all of my material in the most pleasing and balanced ways possible. That's all I got to say about that. I have to say one other thing. I thank all my sponsors. It's the la- I, I gotta say, just go to the the affiliates page. Love everybody down and contact them directly. See if there's any way that they can overnight you products. If you're looking for things, care packages to put together for for grab bags or for people that you know would just like the kinds of really awesome relationships we've struck up. Uh, we've got really badass clothing over there. We've got the the merch from quite frankly. There's a lot of things that you can do. Affiliates page. On the top of the list is Blue Monster Prep and Secret Nature CBD. But when I do the giveaway, I have something to add to this. When I do the giveaway on on uh, Friday, the 23rd, that's the general raffle for all everybody who sends in Super Chats. We take your names, we put them into the, uh, the drawing. I am adding a second prize because <clears throat> it's just too much. It's too much. I want to. I want to just. I want to create more chances for people to win stuff, and so I told you on Friday there's going to be the two ounce silver screaming evil, uh, screaming evil, screaming eagle round, and then there's a sixty serving survival food bag by Blue Monster Prep, and a bag of quite frankly daily roast coffee. While I am making a silver, a silver medal, with. A silver round of my own that I'm putting in. It's going to be one ounce of silver with a bag of coffee. And I'm even going to give you some really great assortment of chocolate from from our good friends at Yes Cacao. So there you go. I'm gonna ha- We're going to have two winners on Friday night. Next Friday for the, the sponsor giveaway, that's just what it is. 
five gram gold bar. So become a sponsor, become a monthly sponsor. You'll be in it for that too. All right, two quick things to say. Oh, actually, no, I'll save this for after, after intermission. But there is one thing I'd like to say. There's a friend of ours out there who's asked for some prayers for his mother. And uh, it's poopy. It's poopy butthole. It, it, it doesn't... I gotta ask him for serious requests like this. What can I call you? Because to say poopy wants everybody to, to pray for his mother kind of diminishes the seriousness of the whole thing. But um, poopy's a good friend of the show. And his mom had to go to the hospital for some procedures recently. Her name is Yelena, and she's at a hospital in Brooklyn on Kings Highway. And um, and I, uh, I I just wanted to put that out there because he asked for people's people's um, the power of their intentions because it's a very powerful audience, especially when it comes to that. And that's all. I don't know if he wanted me to share anything other than that, but I wanted just to put that in people's minds. I, could, I, have, I can confidently say that's one of the better things to happen to me this year is my mother had a, she had a pretty serious situation happen with her in June as well. When I was going down to be on TimCast, she was being rushed to the hospital. She collapsed a couple of, maybe like an hour or two after I left New York. And um, they thought that she may have AFib and all that, but she was just dehydrated and broke her nose, shattered her nose, but that got all cleared up, and it came back that her heart is fine, she doesn't have AFib, and other good things that happened uh, around her health this year, so if there's anything I can hold on to and really say that was a good thing, that that's it, and I'm wishing the, sh the same for Poopy and Yelena. So, um, so yes, let's jump into our grab bag of the night, shall we? Because there's a few things I want to do before we we get started with Chris Ann Hall. And the first one up, I swear, I swear, it never ends. Here's the headline from The Hill. Biden, that guy, Biden, he greets that other guy, Zelensky, at the White House. Yes, they, they brought the cokehead here into the U.S., and he's at the White House. Ukrainian President Zelensky arrived at the White House on Wednesday afternoon, greeted by President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, for the, state, for the start of an unprecedented first trip to Washington since Russia war began, Zelensky pulled up in a black SUV uh, featuring an American flag and a Ukrainian flag that led him out on the South Lawn entrance. The Ukrainian president, who was wearing a signature green long sleeve sweater, shook hands. It's a signature. Bet, I bet you any money they sell them. Shook hands with the Bidens, and the three stood for a photograph for a few seconds. And the front lawn, south entrance, uh, the the front of the south lawn entrance. They then turned and entered the White House, where the president put his arm on Zelensky's shoulder. I wonder if they went to the Lincoln bedroom to blow a few lines first, or did they have did they have lunch and then go blow the lines? Upon entrance to the Oval Office, President told Zelensky, "I'm delighted you can make the trip." Oh, please! Like like he had a choice. Like he had a choice. So I hear that he's going to be um, he's going to be begging Congress for even more money than 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 the additional forty seven billion that was just sent over over to him without asking anybody's permission. And uh, there you have it, I, the 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 disdain, the disdain that boils, it continues to rise. 
Oh, boy. And uh, so that's going on. Merry Christmas. Here's another one for you. I can't believe that we were actually talking about this guy last night, joking around, and then all of a sudden, this was sent to me <clears throat> by none other than Mark Swan. Headline from the New York Post. Man with a World War I explosive lodged in his rectum. Children, get out of here. <clears throat> Children, you have three seconds. Three. One. Okay. This is a world... Now, I thought it was a World War II explosive before. Maybe I got it right. Anyway, with a World War I explosive lodged in his rectum, sparks a bomb scare, and a hospital has to evacuate. The case left Dr. Shellshock. The French hospital was partially evacuated Saturday after a senior citizen arrived with a World War I artillery shell lodged in his rectum. So this is different. This is a different person. The 88-year-old patient visited Hospital St. Meuse in Toulon to have the antique explosive removed, but instead sparked a bomb scare. An emergency occurred from 9 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. on Saturday evening that required the intervention of bomb disposal personnel. Can you imagine having bomb squad take this out of your ass? The evacuation of adult and pediatric emergencies, as well as the diversion of incoming emergencies. We had to manage the risk in a reactive framework, the representative added. When in doubt, we took all of the precautions. That is just gross. This thing. The World War II relic measured almost eight inches long and more than two inches wide. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What do you, you expect me to get through this cleanly? How can you? Bomb disposal experts at the scene determined that there was little possibility the shell would explode inside of the man. They reassured us by telling us that it was a collector's item from the First World War used by the French military. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The collector's item. I just can't believe we were talking about the other guy with the mortar last night. But as I said, there are two types of people in the world. There's this guy with the collectors around. And then um, there's Jesse Bjorling. So all the, all the luck in the world to this guy. Once again, I, w I wonder where he went to dinner beforehand. All right, now this is another one I wanted to do. World Net Daily. Headline, Governor Terminates State Contract with Group Holding Gender Identity Summit. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, a Republican, directed her State Department of Health to ter terminate a contract with the Transformation Project, a transgender activist group that is hosting a gender identity summit next month after the Daily Signal drew the governor's attention to the summit and the group. Governor Christi, Christi Noem is reviewing all Department of Health contracts and immediately terminated a contract with the transformation group, Ian Fury, Noem's chief of communications told the Daily Signal on Friday. The contract was signaled or signed without Governor Noem's prior knowledge or approval. Fury sent the Daily Signal a copy, copy of the 
document dissolving the state contract. South Dakota, this is a quote, does not support this organization's efforts and the state government should not be participating in them, Nome told the Daily Signal in a statement provided by Fury. We should not be dividing our youth with radical ideologies. We should treat every single individual equally as a human being. Fury said that the transformation project had not complied with the state contract. The organization had failed to submit required quarterly reports for two consecutive quarters, among other violations. Yeah, because they were probably taking the money and buying themselves mansions like all the uh, the BLM uh, you know, masterminds, of course. Now, the, you know what I the, why I really love this story? Because it, reminded, it reminds me of what's going on right now in season five of Yellowstone. I don't know if you've seen it at all but john dutton as governor is me as governor i had to go find this clip now um it is edited video wise in a way so that all of the sensors on youtube doesn't pick it up and it can survive longer but it's such a badass uh part i'm gonna just jump in right at the 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 spot that i want it's about a minute and a half long this is when john uh goes and sits in on i don't think this is the educators luncheon he declines to even go to the educators luncheon because there's no educators there, but he interrupts a policy advisors meeting, an entire room of policy advisors for he himself, who is the governor of Montana and all of his policy advisors whom he's never met before are in there going over, um, they're going over new green initiatives from the federal government for the state of Montana and all that. And, uh, I, I, I love how this one turns out. Listen to this. Listen to a little bit of this this meeting as he meets the people he's never met before and asking them, what is it you do around here? I tried to schedule a lunch, but you're up. She said you aren't taking lunches. Where's your office, Stanley? Uh, just right down the hall. You know what, so's mine. Ever done on it just to come by and say howdy? <laughs> My mistake. I'd say. Well, let's see what other policies I'm proposing. Suspend natural gas leases on state land in Powder River County to support the sage-grass restoration project. Um, there's been a precipitous drop in sage-grass numbers, and there's empirical evidence that gas exploration and extraction have a negative impact on the sage-grass environment. And what effect do you think 7,000 acres of solar panels are going to have on their environment? There's no evidence that solar panels would have any impact on the sage grouse environment. What do they do with the sagebrush when they put in the solar panels? They, 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 they would clear it before putting in the solar panels. They remove the sagebrush. Yes, sir. Sagegrass live in the sagebrush. They do. And you don't think removing the sagebrush is going to have an effect on the population? <laughs> I just said there's no evidence. You know evidence what scares me about you, Stanley? You're serious. You're looking at me and you're not joking. I think tops of my agenda today is going to be budget discipline. You're all fired. I'm very mindful of our taxpayers' money and you're all wasting it. I'll advise myself on policy, Claire. How much money did we just save? I would say roughly $1.6 million in salary and benefits if you're serious. Oh, I'm pretty serious. I love it. <laughs> I love that. We just saved $1.6 million. Room full of waterheads. That would be uh, Governor Frankly. That would be Governor Frankly. For as long I was in there, it would just be time to burn this thing down.
I love it. I love it. I really like what's going on so far with with season five. I'm gonna ask Chrisanne if she watches this because I think that she'd I think she'd have a lot of fun with that. I'm gonna stop this intro right now. I'm gonna get into the show because before Chrisanne comes on in about 10, 12 minutes, I want to read a very interesting thread that I found about what's going on in the used car the used car market. Very interesting stuff. And it's a little bit into tied into a prediction for what may be coming in 2023 as early as the first quarter. So let's get started. We'll be right back. I hope that you guys can go and become a sponsor of the show through social media tonight by sharing it to everybody you know. All the pertinent live links have been tweeted out and shared all over the place. So go have at it. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you very, very soon. Stick around. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the 6 o'clock. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! hope everybody's feeling well so far plenty to feel unwell about but we don't need that shit all day right let's give ourselves give ourselves a little bit of a, uh, a break here all right 717 I've got about I don't know eight minutes I've got about eight minutes before we bring Chris Ann on so let's get into something I thought was also pretty interesting and uh, and then see what you guys think about it. I'd like to get some, some thoughts on this one for anybody that pays attention to things like this. This is from a account on Twitter. An account on Twitter, guy dealership, car dealership guy. There he is. Now listen to this. This morning, this was a couple of days ago, I discovered something extremely alarming happening in the car market, specifically in auto lending. I'm now convinced that there is a massive wave of car repossessions coming in 2023. Here's what I discovered and what no one knows. Background, over the past two years, many people took out exorbitant loans on cars. Car values were inflated and frankly still are too in some, to some extent. 
but many people simply had no choice and bought an overpriced car. Well, car valuations are now plummeting. Some cars have declined in value as much as 30%, and these are people that took out these big loans who are now underwater. Basically, they owe banks more on these cars than they are worth, and the banks are well aware of this. But there is no easy solution. You can't just put the genie back in the bottle. This brings me to what happened this morning. Every Friday, I conduct a team meeting with, uh, to recap our week. This morning, one of our general managers opened up DealerTrack, a portal that dealers use to communicate with auto lenders, and highlighted something very concerning. Nine of our lending partners have started waiving open auto stipulations for consumers. Wait, WTF does that even mean? Let me explain this using simple hypothetical scenario. Number one, a consumer takes out an auto loan in 2020 or 2021 on an overvalued car. In 2020, when 2022 comes around, that overvalued car is now rapidly declining in value. Then, with the car declining in value, consumer now owes more than the car itself is worth. The consumer no longer wants the car. Maybe they outgrew it. Maybe it keeps breaking, so consumer wants to trade it in. But dealer can't trade the car in because the consumer owes way too much money on it. So dealer asked the consumer for lots of money down to cover the difference. But of course, the consumer doesn't have thousands of dollars to cover the difference between what they owe on the car and what it's worth, and here comes the perfect storm. The dealer can't sell the consumer a car, the consumer can't buy a car, and you guessed it, the lender can't finance a car. Everybody loses, oh no, so what happens next? Lender knows that most consumers are stuck in this situation and does the following. Waves the open auto stipulation, meaning the lender lets the consumer buy the car knowing that they already have an open auto loan with another bank. So why the fuck would they do this? Surely the lender knows that consumers take out uh, that that consumers take that take out a second auto loan are much riskier and have a much higher risk of default, right? Right? Yes, but the lender does it because they know that the consumer will default on the other car. Dog eat dog. Let me be clear. This is not normal, but it's all it's the only way lenders can finance cars and dealers can put cars on the road. And the implications of this will be tons of repossessions. So lenders are trying to get people, it's almost like, a, like playing a game of hot potato. I've been a doubter, but after all I saw this morning, I'm now fully convinced that there is a wave of car repossessions that will hit in early to mid-2023. If lenders are willing to backstab each other in order to put more loans on the road, we are in trouble. This will not end pretty. That's all for now. That's just... You see, when we talk about when we talk about things that are going on, for example, government spending, which is really just government theft, when we talk about stuff like that, that's a much larger scale. Government spending, whether it be the issuing of fiat or taxation and all this stuff, that's something right there that creates a lot of problems for us on the trickle down through inflation and everything else. And then you have things like this, this dog eat dog mentality when, you know, the bread and circuses aren't enough anymore and everybody really is just trying to save their skin. And here you have uh, these predatory loans and whatnot coming on into the, into the, the, the mix. I, I mean, I, I don't know where, where we can go from there.
but that's interesting. And um, I don't know. I I I was I'm actually happy that I didn't have to. I didn't have the opportunity to to do my. Um, I wanted to get another car. I wanted to finance one last car and, and just have it. You know, I've been leasing for since I was out of college, so I wanted to just finance a car. And because of what's going on in the world with supplies, there was no cars on the lot at GM. There was there was a there's a microchip shortage, so I was they extended my lease like six months so I can wait for something inventory to come in. I finally said to hell with it. I'm just buying out my lease and I'm just going to own everything I drive now. And um, and I want to be beholden as little as possible to anybody. Anyway, we're going to bring on a good friend of ours now. It's time for the final appearance of 2022 for Chris Ann Hall. It always happens. It's all, we, all of a sudden, it's December, and here we are. Chris Ann, how you feeling? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. It's just great to have you by here tonight. You know, let me ask you a question before we get started. Do you and JC watch Yellowstone at all? No. Oh, I think that you guys would enjoy it so much. There's, it's so ripe. For what you talk about all the time, it is a constant, it's a story of a constant battle of these ranch, obviously it's it's brutal, but these, these ranchers from Montana who are just fighting this three-way battle between Indian reservations and the, the, the encroaching federal government and these carpetbaggers from California, and it's, it's incredible. I think you would love it. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you, um, but we don't watch TV to work. To work? So, so we generally look for things on television that have absolutely nothing to do with what we do every day. It's enjoyment, but I'm but you were just you would appreciate it because of your work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No no no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my little elevator pitch. That's all. Anyway. Yeah, no no, I'll I'll look into it. Definitely. I love I love seeing what I appreciate about those things is the recognition and the acknowledgement of even the media culture that there really is something to fight for yeah that's it and knowing that you know the mainstream media doesn't have every show that's that's really what i like about those kind of shows yeah, it, uh, absolutely. It's um, it's kind of taking people by storm. Hey, you know, another thing, a, a little thing I, I hope that you get uh, as a stocking stuffer for Christmas is that you get your Twitter account back. I, I know. Yeah. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I'm confident it will because it seems like everybody, far more controversial people than you have already been brought back. But um, I, uh, I, I'm surprised you aren't there yet. Well, you know, I have my theories, but... <laughs> I don't think we need to get into those today. No. I just, it's just, you know, there's such a deep and long story there. I was actually really shocked that somebody accidentally mentioned to me in the Twitter files. Um, Obviously, that was not approved by the powers to be, but, um, you know, every once in a while, uh, things happen, I think, divinely programmed, but accidentally by, by the people in charge because there's I hesitate talking about these things because really Frank if I talk about what I know then what it sounds like is that I have this really elevated Trump-esque opinion of myself um, but I and, and I don't I actually am, am in awe and, and stunned by the efforts of people to keep me 
out of conversation. But anyway, we'll just we'll just sort of leave it at that. I do have to say that Janet wanted me to tell you guys very, very Merry Christmas, and she missed talking to you this time. Oh, Janet's the best. Well, Janet knows how to, how to get in touch with me. I told her, text for whatever. It's great. Yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. Well, you know, if you just randomly drop her a text, she would love that. No doubt. I will get that done. I promise you. I promise her. I promise you, Janet. Uh, I did see you in the Twitter. I did see you in the Twitter files. I don't know which yeah. volume it was, but I remember that. Let me ask you this: just about in general, because we've talked about uh, overreach. We've talked about also just the, the the general unconstitutional presence of most of the national security state, if not all of it, as we know today. But with fi- uh, with Twitter files volume eight, the pe- you know, helping the Pentagon amplifying narratives through these whitelisting and verifying these spy accounts hundreds of millions of dollars we saw that have been exchanged between twitter and the fbi to form these filthy censorious relationships i mean i I, just what have you what have you been talking about on your show when it comes to specifically this stuff which we I, i keep you know disclaiming uh, nobody's really shocked, but now that we actually get to see the fine print, it is uh, it is a conversation to be had. Well, I think what I'm trying to do, you know, my, I'm a teacher at heart, so I really want people to to not really take this simply as a vindication, confirmation, entertainment. But what? can we take away from this what can we learn and how do we move forward because i think a lot of people are really just they are pulled into it as in 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 a satisfactory kind of way that says hey we knew this was happening thank god we are affirmed reaffirmed and vindicated in this thought but in reality If we want to really get out of this situation, what we should be getting, the real gift that we're getting here, is to understand what exactly is the real problem and then moving forward in an educated and organized way to the future to prevent this from happening again because just knowing that it's true doesn't stop it from happening again right and so what i've been talking about are really what are the underlying problems and so we can work out the solutions for the future first and foremost i want us to understand and most people do not know this they're not willing to or they're not willing to accept it if they do know it the reality is the fbi had even nefarious beginnings there has never ever been anything honorable or constitutional about the establishment of the fbi you look at books that ta- that are really really great about teaching you you have um the silencing the scream which is an amazing book on how the fbi and the atf and all these organizations came about with uh herbert hoover and all of that i don't know if you follow my husband's uh, my husband's instagram account uh he's at jc global and if you follow him on instagram he he, this is really sort of his niche. He loves that. He loves sort of 
from an entertainment value, from an own personal edification value, he loves reading about the history of the FBI and that I think maybe because at one point he wanted to be an FBI agent, but now he knows how corrupt it's and insidious its formation was and that maybe God saved him from being a part of that. But he posted today a book that he's reading about the history of the FBI, and I think maybe it's called The History of the FBI, I'm not quite sure, that once again confirms the book, I think I called it Silence, it's called Chasing the Scream, the original book that I was talking about was Chasing the Scream. And we have to understand that there, that the FBI is not only unconstitutionally established, it, is un, it has always been anti-constitutionally focused. So the fact that that we have the FBI acting at odds with the Constitution, acting at odds with freedom of speech and freedom of press and the free market ought not really surprise anyone. So the confirmation of this should be the solution moving forward. What do we do? Do we try to restart the FBI with honorable foundings? Do we completely, is the only solution completely dissolving the FBI? Knowing number one, there's no constitutionally established place for it, unless the FBI then is completely limited to Washington DC and federal land. That would be the only way the FBI would have any kind of constitutional mooring is its only jurisdiction is federal jurisdiction. And that means they don't come into the states. They don't do investigations in the states. There is no federal jurisdiction for the FBI, or, or national jurisdiction for the FBI. It's only federal. Hmm. Uh, so what is our solution moving forward with the FBI? So I'll tell you what our solution is not. Our solution is not a congressional hearing. <laughs> our solution is not an an, an AG investigation. Our solution has nothing to do with the federal government whatsoever. Period. Not a zilch. If any solution with the FBI involves some part of the federal government investigating internal affairs of the FBI, uh, you have no solution at all because what you have then is the federal government investigating itself. And that never works out in favor of liberty of the people or whatever. They just hide whatever they're doing and understanding that the, that the insidious nature of the FBI reaches deep, deep into Congress, deep into administrations, deep into the Supreme Court. Okay, so there are no tentacles of that the uh, that of the FBI that do not reach in the deepest places of the federal government. So the federal government is never going to be a check on the FBI. My suggestion, Frank, for a check on the FBI would be to an assemble a, a, a board of state governors to investigate the FBI. That would be the only constitutional legitimate, possibly legitimate investigation and audit of the FBI is for state governors to come together in a board and engage in the investigation. Well, you also we, we've also talked in, in past episodes, maybe two or three episodes ago, that um, when I asked you specifically about Florida, 
Um, let's say if the state of Florida were, had just seen enough, they don't need to go and, and be part of some kind of a commission or anything like that. They've seen enough. Uh, is it within the, the rights of every state legislature or uh, certain sheriffs to say, no, no more within the, within the, um, within the borders of our state, uh, yeah. all these federal bureaucracy, and then just, I don't know. I, so that's what it is, either this, this board of governors or sheriffs and legislatures doing their thing and, and, and cleaning out their state of any undue federal influence from unconstitutional bodies. Yeah, absolutely. I think it could be mo- most effectively a combination of both. Right. If you're not going to, as a people, completely dissolve the FBI and Congress will never do that because Congress has way too much invested in the FBI. There's too much kickback benefit to the FBI. They're never going to do that. And to get rid of the FBI, you would have to have Congress to defund them. And they've just increased their funding again. I was, I, I'm glad I'm glad you transitioned that perfectly for me, Chris Ann. Yeah, because, well, I'm not done yet, though. Okay, go ahead. Let, let, go ahead. Let's not transition just yet. <laughs> you got it. Um, the uh, I don't know were you were we transitioning into the spending bill yes. or into FBI money? Well, it's, it's that it, works either it, way. It's 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 kind of it's the same thing. You know, just pretty much what yeah. you're saying. Don't expect the federal government to investigate itself yeah. and have it go anywhere, especially when you have the people, supposedly the Congress, that could. If you expect yeah. them to either reel them in or dissolve the FBI, the same Congress that would go out there and spend 1.7 trillion dollars, almost all of it illegal. Don't expect any kind of accountability from these people. Right. So you need a board of of state governors. When you say a board of governors, that has different meanings. So you have to make sure it's state governors, right? The actual governors that are over the states come together and meet as a board. And and, uh, uh, correspondingly, at the same time, a nullification of FBI jurisdiction within the state and local governments. Now, the other problem that I'm talking about that we must recognize, and once again, Frank, you and I will be now the only people that are actually talking about this, although I did mention it today on Victory News because I'm a, I'm a contributor there regularly. And, you know, I, the, the conservative talking heads and the constitutional experts are not talking about it. $3.5 million the FBI paid to Twitter. That came out in the Twitter files today. $3.5 million the FBI paid to Twitter over a period of just about a year. Now, what we have to understand is twofold. Number one, the FBI agents, the uh, Attorney General of the United States and the Director of the Department of Justice did not pool together money, their own money and send $3.5 million to Twitter. So we must understand that $3.5 million is our money. The FBI, and I want to say this out loud so everybody can, it can maybe sink in over time. The FBI paid $3.5 million of our money to Twitter to pass on propaganda created by the FBI to the American people to manipulate the American people. The FBI used $3.5 million of our money to create propaganda to manipulate us. Hmm. That is a fact. That is an undeniable, absolute, unavoidable fact. The thing that we must understand in that is that would not have been, oh, first off, that was completely legal, according to the FBI. 
to take $3.5 million of our money, create propaganda, and then give it to us through Twitter like they would a psyops on a foreign country. They believe that's completely legal. And they believe it's completely legal because Congress passed a law in 2012, the conservative Republican majority Congress passed a law sponsored by a conservative Republican by the name of Thornberry out of state of out of the state of Texas, passed a law in 2012 overturning a 46-year-old law that made it illegal to use tax dollars to manipulate the people with propaganda. So in 2012, Congress passed what we know as the Smith-Munt Modernization Act that overturned the Smith-Munt Act, which was to keep our tax dollars from creating a ministry of truth the way we saw coming out of World War II. And our conservative Republicans, majority in Congress, led by a Republican in Texas by the name of Thornberry in 2012, passed the law that made it legal for the FBI to take $3.5 million of our money and manipulate us with PSYOPs propaganda. Hmm. It's, uh, that's the story of our week. Oh, and not, and not only that, and not only that, and I, I, lo- I brought this up uh, yesterday on the show or the day before, whatever it was, but if you think about what we have learned in the last week, what we have been given in these these little these files, and then of course that that really in- incredible bit of uh, of broadcasting that that Tucker Carlson did about JFK and the CIA. You think about all in, in again things that we're not surprised by, but things that now we have the receipts for. By and large, it's incredible that with all we've been given in the last week to chew on, especially the stuff that you've been bringing up right now and reiterating right now, for um, for that White House press secretary to be out there and say more than once that January 6th was the worst thing to happen to this country since the Civil War. She said it more than once. She said it more than once. I know. She did. She did. That's just, I I, I don't know. I I think what I'm trying to say here is that all of this information is useless if we don't understand the solutions and implement the solutions to the problems, right? You can gather up all this information. Tucker Carlson can give all his exposés. Elon Musk can expose everything that we have. But until we lay accountability where accountability is due and we understand the real, the real source of the problems, moving forward is not going to be possible. We're just gonna keep wallowing and repeating the same pathetic history over and over and over again. And so we have to understand, in 2011, the smith Modernization Act came forward and I was contacted by a large group of activists in Texas who said, hey, Chris Ann, do you know anything about this? I didn't know anything about it, right? And they said, hey, we're sending you this bill that our representative in uh, Thornberry is putting forward to Congress. Can you read it and tell us what it's about? Tell us what it really means. It's got a lot of confusing language, but it doesn't sound good. 
So they contacted me. They put me on alert. I read it. I told them, you're right. It is not only not good. It is terribly horrible. It will fund with our tax dollars a federal government ministry of truth. Well, we were able to band together in 2011 and, and do a real campaign and defeat this bill. Okay, so it was supposed to come through. It came through Congress. We did a massive email campaign across the United States, and we got this bill defeated in committee. So it never made it to the floor. And they were mad. Oh, my gosh. They were mad. You should have seen the phone calls and the emails that I got because of the write-ups that we did and how we got it defeated. Mm. So what they did, Frank, is what they always do. They took that piece of legislation and they shoved it into the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012. Anything that is insidious, anything that they know the American people does not do not want, but they want to have for whatever their reasons are, they will hide it in the National Defense Authorization Act because the National Defense Authorization Act is a Trojan horse. Every congressman knows every year the National Defense Authorization Act funds the, the defense budget, right? Mm -hmm. So every congressman knows you have to vote yes for this bill. This is a must-pass bill if you are a Republican. Why? Because if you vote no, then you're the guy that doesn't want to fund our soldiers, yes. right? You don't want you want our soldiers to go without paychecks. You're a, a you're not American. You're a terrible person. You're unpatriotic. When in reality, like 1.5% of the NDAA actually goes to service members, the rest of it go to the private defense contractors, right? So it's all a lie. It's all a lie to create must pass legislation that the people don't want that is completely and totally unconstitutional. It's how the worst portions of the Patriot Act got passed. It's how the indefinite detentions got passed. It's now how this Smith Modernization Act got passed. And because they were, we allow them to have these omnibus bills, these bills with multiple with multiple topics. We do not limit Congress to single subject bills. They're able to push through these unconstitutional actions and the people really have no voice. These, these kind of things are truly manifestations of legislation without representation. Mm. You have zero representation in the NDAA because nobody can vote anything. Same with this new omnibus bill. It is not constitutional. There is nothing in the Constitution that allows the federal government to create omnibus. The only thing the federal government is allowed to do in Article 1, Section 7, is to create bills for taxing and spending. That's it. That's it. So they have to have a spending bill budget, period. And by the way, I have a whole class on that at libertyfirstsociety.com. The spending can only come from the House, Frank. Mitch yeah. McConnell has no authority to negotiate a, sp a, a spending bill of any sort 
according to the Constitution. Oh, and, and when I think about this, I, I say I say to myself, well, it, it, when you know when you know what what's what's supposed to be, and it's really not a lot to know. It's a very very short read. The Constitution is when you know what's supposed to be, and you see the way that they all they all act. It, mm-hmm. it, it would it would be inconceivable that a government built this ridiculously, where you just ignore things altogether or you get simple majorities and you can as long as you get a simple majority you can do literally anything by and take people's money or issue debt on people and future generations to do literally anything without any kind of holdups it would be impossible for a nation to have lasted over 200 years if this was actually the way that things are supposed to be and you know you're, you're talking perfectly said a, a perfect way of, of describing what these these now on average 1.5 to 2 trillion dollar bills are going to be they're trojan horses we got people all over the country living hand to mouth and we are sending billions to, to to crooks in poor countries we got millions of dollars set aside for our michelle obama nature trail I, I just, uh, Chrisanne, I got to tell you, and I know you, you're a lot more controlled than I am, though you are a very passionate woman. The, <laughs> the, the hardest thing for me to do most nights that I come on air is to not say something that will have the Secret Service pay me a visit. But this is rape. This, these are rapists. This is what this is. They're I, miscreants. Is that is exactly what they are. They're miscreants. They're tyrants. And the, you know, if. We have to be totally honest about this, Frank. The reality is they are the criminals that they are because we continue to allow them to be criminals. The government of America is established where the people are the government. We are not supposed to have rulers over us. We're supposed to be governed by the rule of law, not by the law of rulers. And so what we as a people have, we've been the majority, I mean, not you and me and, and the people that watch, quite frankly, right? So what has happened is the majority of the Americans have been really pushed through the sausage factory of the government education system, and they've been taught the wrong things about the proper role of government. We've talked about this on your show before, but we're talking about 190 years of wrong education on the proper role of government. So I don't care who taught you. I don't care where you were taught, even in you know your little old rural country town and, and Auntie Jane taught you. Well, the problem is the history books that Auntie Jane taught from and the history books that Auntie Jane learned from are all full of deceptions and intentional lies to make us think differently about government. And so until the American people, which you have, you're talking about the, all the American people who are living hand to mouth and waiting with bated breath over, is the government going to shut down? How about my program? What about my funding? Farmers, right? Farmers waiting for farm subsidies. Industries waiting for subsidies. American people waiting for subsidies. It's these designed and trained mentalities that keep these people like Chuck Schumer in power who can stand in front of the press with a obviously clear conscience even though he is a anyway yeah see see <laughs> right i understand he's a psychopath yeah. okay who a a a 
personal and political psychopath stand in front of the American people and say, we don't need our representatives to read a 4,500-page omnibus bill because we've studied it out and the experts in committee have looked at it, and this is what the American people need. And the unfortunate reality is there are way too many American people out there who actually believe it's what they need. And until we get, and here's the beautiful point, 3% of the population, until we get 3% of the population in any given location who can really grasp what's happening, then the successful change will be stagnant. But 3% is not a lot. No, it's not. Because you can get 3% in your county and your sheriff can kick the federal government out. You get 3% of your counties and then the state works together to kick the federal government out. I mean, for example, you now have the federal, the, the Department of Education attacking Garland, Texas, for them kicking out uh, all of the, the pedophilia grooming textbooks in the Garland School District. So now the federal government is doing an investigation of Garland, uh, Texas Department of Education, their educated their school districts, the Garland, Texas school districts, because they the school district has kicked out all the pedophilia grooming text uh, books. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing: um, the act, the congressional act that created the Department of Education, who's investigating the school districts in Garland, has no jurisdiction. You see, the Department of Education, the act that created the Department of Education says that the Department of Education has no authority to tell the school districts what they can and cannot teach, tell the school districts the teachers they can and cannot hire, and dictate any kind of policy to the districts whatsoever. That is written in the law. However, if the school districts take Department of Education money, now the Department of Education assumes an advisory, an audit role, a supervisory role over the districts. So the solution is kick the Department of Education out of your school district. That freaks people out. Yep. It terrifies them. <gasps> How will we fund our school districts? Well, guess what? Run the stinking numbers. It costs you more to take the federal funding than it does to reject the federal funding. You pay $10 for every dollar you get from the Department of Education because you have to meet the regulations, you got to hire extra people, you got to go through all the red tape and all the regulations, and it costs you more to take the money. Get rid of the Department of Education money and you will get rid of their control. I, I had I had a, a wonderful talk a couple of years ago with a libertarian candidate for governor over here in New York, Larry Sharp, and he had a couple of ideas for fixing in-state in-state education that was was incredible. Of, of course, his first idea was his first thought was number one we have to get the the federal government out of of funding everything, and then we have to mm -hmm. re we have to take a, a good look at where and what we are doing with the time spent and the opportunities available to children. And what he did with the numbers was masterful. It, 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 was, it was a fraction 
of what because so I think the federal government is a lots about seventeen thousand dollars per child, um, I think per year. It's an incredible amount of money, and obviously we have we've been getting we've been tanking in every category since the federal government uh, created the Department of Education. So we're not even seeing results. Anyway, no. I, I think I think it's a, a good. I think it's a. I think it's a good. A good reminder of really what we need to be doing, and and I we hammer that home a lot. So it's 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 nice to be so simplistic, even though it's not going to be easy. But it's good. It's good to be simple on some things. Um, oh no, nobody has ever said it's going to be easy. It's it's not always easy to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, it's usually very hard to do the right thing. But it is simple. Simple doesn't mean easy. But it is simple. It is very simple. You just say no. Do you? Most pe- most Americans don't know, and I didn't know this until I did the research. The literacy rate of African Americans in New York, in the state of New York, the literacy rate of African Americans in the state of New York before compulsory education, government mandated education, was anywhere from seventy to ninety percent. Now, what is the literacy rate for African Americans in the state of New York? All of this was supposed to improve, improve when the government took over the education system. But when you understand what the purpose was of the government taking over the education system, you understand that the education system is working exactly the way it was designed. Because the government compulsory education system was designed to create a society of docile yielding subjects and that's what they've created people who are who are gracious peasantry waiting for the next handout and what's the what is the literacy rate now oh you'd be lucky if it's 30 percent now i i I was i I didn't want to guess too low because then that would be racist you know how you know how that (laughs) you know but i mean you go anywhere and the literacy rate these days is dropping well, Most I, high schools, you you can't go to college. Professors are frustrated because their high school students graduating from high school cannot add and cannot put together a cohesive, coherent sentence. Oh, well, and the reason why and that I doesn't say that, matter what color they are. It, and like I said, because I follow New York, I follow New York so much. I was thinking it has to be. I was going to guess anywhere between 30 and 40 percent, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was less than 30, only because in New York over the last six to seven to 10 years, all we get are these headlines about statewide um, statewide mandates of lowering uh, standards, not only for students, but lowering. Now they increase the, their literacy percentages by lowering the literacy standards. But they're lowering the literacy standards for the teachers. When you're talking yep. about lowering literacy standards for teachers, I have to assume that it is going to be so much worse for students. And then, of course, mm-hmm. they have the, the audacity of calling everybody around them racists when they re- refuse to do anything that is objectively good for students because everything has to be administered through the lens of, of, of racial equity. And it's, and it's, it's horribly destructive. Um, yeah, but that's just um, that's just another story for you know we've got well, all. But they're you know they're gonna turn around and call us racist for having this conversation. But the reality is, it's it's the it, it is the gaslighting that they engage in that creates the reality of the fall of this society. 
you can you're not allowed to deal with the problems at their core so you can never actually get to the real solutions if you can never really get to the real solutions because they're gaslighting you away from the conversation then they win because the salute because the results they are getting are exactly what they want mm -hmm. yes you're you want you know one thing i would say chris and before we change uh topics to something a little bit more wholesome I would, even though this would take, this would be a week-long video of yours. This would be you streaming for a week long. I would love to see you endeavor to take even 500 pages of one of these 5,000-page piles of crap from the uh, the federal government and do a line item veto on everything that is illegal. It would be it would be a, a, an exercise in futility, but still. I, I would just have to grab the shredder. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. So sorry to even bring it up. Zroom, zroom, zroom. It's all unconstitutional. I know. I just. I just I think about it. That's why I love Rand Paul's Festivus report every every year too. Um, they just pick out the most. The most obscene things that pops up in these things, and um, and yeah, I, I, incredible border security for North African countries, but they are directing the the border patrol not to be able to to take on any kind of funding for making their jobs easier or processing people. It's incredible. It, it's just incredible. They should all be arrested. Well, Frank, it's it's crazy. I my head blew up because I was like, this is nuts, right? So. This is the Republican version of the victory in the omnibus bill, okay? Their victory is we're only increasing the IRS's budget by a hundred and, uh, by a hundred and, well, no, wait. We're increasing their budget 123 million less than we increased it last year. It's like common core math, right? We're giving them more money but it's 125 million less. We're giving them billions, but we're going to give them 125 million less. If you like make the decimal points realistic, what you're really saying is we're denying the IRS $125 this year. That's After Biden gave them an additional 80 billion or 80 million extra. And a workforce the size of a small army. Yeah. An extra. Well, <laughs> we've got all of 2023 to pull out our hair over that, though I don't have much more to pull out, I have to admit. I, uh, <laughs> I got lots. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, 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 I, God bless you. Just keep the, those the flowing locks. But me, <laughs> me, I live vicariously through my daughter and my wife with their hair. But yeah, um, she's beautiful, by the way. Your daughter is absolutely gorgeous. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll send you some video. I, I'm having long form conversations with her now, and it's just incredible. I bet she's a hoot. Oh, it's, I, I got to play one of these one night because it's just, I just, I'm just amazed. I love it. I'm, um, but yeah, and it's, but especially this time of year, it I always gives you something to be grateful about. But especially this time of year, and that's what I'm looking for with this, uh, this, this last leg of our final talk for the year and that is american christmas stories we talk about where where the, the uh you know where what kind of a path we are put on and how we have strayed from that path but i like going into the things that tug on the heart and, and pull us back to a mindset that created the opportunities we had and um and now that since it's christmas i was wondering just like with thanksgiving are there any christmas stories american christmas stories legends lore and lessons that could be learned <laughs> that you keep uh 
you keep in mind this time of year? Well, you know, you always have um, Thomas Paine's American Crisis One, right? Because Thomas Paine's American Crisis One was what was read before uh, the troops. Washington had this document read to his troops before the uh, Christmas battle. So it's, I, I always like that one um, published on, well, they give it the publication date of December 23rd, 1776. That's not exactly accurate. Uh, it was published by Payne before that, but it was read to uh, Washington's troops before they crossed the Delaware uh, on that day. And this is the one that says, these are the times the trimen souls, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will shrink in this crisis from their service, uh, from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. And this is what's really interesting. And I, I sort of leapfrog many of my studies off of this particular phrase. And I'd like, if I can, have the liberty to leapfrog off of there into what I, I wanted to sort of leave everybody with this year. Absolutely. He says, tyranny like hell is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. And it's dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Hmm. And so what I'd like to do is sort of leapfrog from there uh, to to a history that's really been resounding in my heart for the last couple of weeks. And it's not a Christmas story. It's actually March 23rd, 1775. And Patrick Henry is standing in the St. John's Church. And he's giving this speech. He's giving this speech because they're meeting now. This is pre-Declaration of Independence pre-even meeting for the deck they won't even meet for the declar to propose the declaration of independence until july uh till june 7th um and so they're all together in the saint john's church and they're trying to decide what they're going to do now remember we've already had the the uh boston tea party in 1773 we've already had the boston massacre in 1770 there are already battles happening in isolated places across the colonies. And so the question is, all right, we've, we've reached a fork in the road. We've got to make a decision. Are we going to continue to move forward as vain as it may see towards reconciliation? Or do we admit we are beyond reconciliation and we have to now declare our independence? Now, what's very interesting is not to belabor the point, there's just so much history in here, Frank. And the Englishmen had the right to bring their grievances to the king since 1215. And if the grievances 
they brought to the king were not met with um, what we call what we call uh, you petition the government for a redress of grievances if their grievances were not met with redress now that means to be made whole if they were not redressed within 40 days the Magna Carta and clause 61 established the right of the people to assail the king in whatever force was necessary to make themselves whole so they're, ha they're having to deal with the fact that within their law, they absolutely have the right to say, okay, we've now been petitioning the king since 1722, and we've not received any, any answer. We've not received any relief. What do we do? Do we invoke Clause 61? And what Patrick Henry says in what we have recorded of this speech is just so amazing. And... I really encourage people to read it because it's just absolutely fabulous. He lays out the case on not only why do we not have a choice, the choice is already made rather, but why we can't lose. And Patrick Henry, he says, we are three million people engaged in the holy cause of liberty. Right. That's that's what Thomas Paine was talking about. Heaven knows how to put a proper price on its goods. And Patrick Henry says we are three million now engaged in the holy cause of liberty because liberty is a gift from God. Giver, liberty is the gift of, that God gives us by the nature of our creation. It's what our what our Declaration of Independence says or means when it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal endowed by their creator with certain and alienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness he said that we are three million armed in the holy cause of liberty and that we serve a just god who gave us this gift so when we stand for the gifts that god has given us we are guaranteed several things number one we will never stand alone because number one god who gave us life liberty and the ability to pursue our happiness in independence and freedom will never leave us nor forsake us number two we know from history that when we stand for liberty people will always come together and stand we just have to have the courage to stand he said, this is not just a battle for the strong. He said, this is a battle for the bold. This is a battle for the courageous. This is the battle for the vigilant. If we are vigilant, if we are bold, and if we are filled with the courage and knowledge that when we stand together in the life and, life and lamp of liberty, we cannot fail cannot fail he said as a matter of fact and I'm and I'm really just pulling this all together in a ball for us he said look when we stand for liberty we cannot fail because if we stand together we'll be moving in the right direction and our only enemy is ourselves and that's why he asks in the end he says what would gentlemen wish what could they want now remember he's 
they're they're asking each other what is it that we're going to do with this problem that we have we now have to declare independence and create our own government we're going to create our own government what do we want from this new government so that we never have what we have now he said what would gentlemen wish what could they want is life so dear and peace so sweet to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery He's saying, look, the two greatest gifts any society can secure is the right to life and the right to live that life in peace. But are those two great gifts that we have given to us by the nature of our creation so dear to us that we would purchase them with chains and slavery? He says, forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. You see, without liberty... Your life is always servitude. Without liberty, the peace you seek will become your chains and bonds. And we are guaranteed when we stand together under the unity and liberty, we will always win. And it's not just simply, for me, it's, it's, it's an undeniable truth based on faith. But it is an undeniable truth based on faith supported by physical historical evidence. I am an historian. I am a teacher. I have studied over 1,000 years of history that creates America. One thousand, over 1,000 years of battles with government in favor of liberty and advancing of liberty and limiting government. And every single time for over 1,000 years, every single time the people unified in liberty, set aside parties, set aside superficial your preferences when we got together with one mind in one accord in the defense of the gifts that we have been given by the nature of our creation every single time we have won. But it's going to cost us something. Life, fortune, reputation. The good news is what they did for us in 1776 gave us a bucket full of powerful, peaceful tools to achieve what they only had revolution to achieve. Our hope rests in the fact that, number one, our, our greatest gifts in life come by the nature of our creation. And these men and women knew that securing for us a constitutional republic so that we did not have to get into armed rebellion to control our governments. So we have to, we have to get united. We have to stop being tribalistic about, about uh, socioeconomic standings, political standings, parties, and people. And we have to realize that we are all created in the same way, with the same liberties. And the only way we can be defeated, Frank, is when we are divided. So our hope for 2023, and 2023 is going to be an amazing year. I already know it. I already see it starting to happen. It's going to be an amazing year. There's going to be greater unification of the people under the true first principles of America. And they're going, we're going to put these people in check, and they're not going to like it. And that's what we have coming in 2023. But we really have to get educated, and we have to get united. And our founders saw it. They moved forward in it, and they believed in it for us. And all we have to do is just reach up and grab it. I'm, I'm so I'm ready for it. I'm telling you, 
I'm ready for it, and I'm I'm bringing that one definitely into those first moments of 2023. I'll toast to that, Chris Ann. Thank you, uh, thank you for another year of just friendship. Thank, oh, I mean, thank I, I, you. the kind the, the things that we do, the current events, the history, just answering questions that have become I don't know. It's just, we have a lot of sayings that we throw around, but we don't really talk about the meanings behind sayings. We get to do all those really fun things together and figuring them out and how they apply to modern day because everything is so old. I always say yeah. I always say now that I'm I'm in my my late thirties, everything's at least ten years ago. Everything. Right. You know, yeah. you think, <laughs> I would just simply say, you know, because we have become very complacent in our comfort as a people in society is that as you're meeting to this year for your holidays, however you meet, you know, look in the baby's eyes, look in the young people's eyes and, and say, what, what would I be willing to do today if I saw that same face in shackles tomorrow? What would I be willing to do to prevent that from happening? And if the first thing that comes to mind is I'd be willing to do anything, then why not start now, right? If you're willing to die for that person, why wouldn't you start off by living for them? Because you see, it's really easy to die for something. It's harder to actually live sacrificially for it. And that's the gift that our founders gave us. That's why Benjamin Franklin said, we gave you a republic if you can keep it, right? So I, I, I don't like to be harsh in, in, in the way I say things. You know me, I'm, I, I try to be very, to, to really season my, my temper with love. But if your only f solution is to, to, you know, our founders would be shooting by now, then you're really engaging in the lazy cop-out because it's easy to die for something. Why not make it your point to start living in a way that you don't have to die for it? Point taken. Again, I'll toast to that. Thank you for everything this year, Chris Ann. Merry Christmas to you and JC, the boy, everybody. And I, I, I hope the 2023 is the year that we actually meet in the flesh. That would be wonderful. Yeah, we we'll keep see. talking about it, but <laughs> we'll it's see. gonna happen. I promise. The, 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 we turn the page on every year. It, it seems like every other month, an entire year goes by. But it doesn't matter. Uh, we're, we're doing good work either way, and having a lot of fun. Thank you again. Talk to you soon, and, and all the best God in the new year. God bless you guys. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna go on a really quick break. When we come back, we have I don't know about forty five minutes left for us to do our thing on our own and uh, and just close out another good night. Wednesday evening, a little bit of current events, a little bit of history to set you off into the, into the loving arms of a holiday weekend. So the calls, super chats, that'll all be coming up. Don't go anywhere, it's gonna be fun. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Yeah, intermission. 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Not quite. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Back, back, back we are. You know what? Wait a second. What the hell happened to my Christmas music? What happened to my Christmas cafe? I don't get it. Here we go. You only have a couple of weeks every year that we can do this. Nice. All right, we're gonna get into what you're sending in, super chats. And uh, let's just jump right into that. Hello Kitty's the first one up. Frank and quite frankly chat rooms, I wish you all wonderful Merry Christmas. Sending you all lots of love. By the way, Frank, do not forget to take your pills and vitamins sitting next to your keyboard. I already did. I never do. I'm on a schedule here. It's not as, uh, I mean, it, it's the winter. So I'm out, I'm going outside, I'm working out. But uh, in the last, in the last two weeks, I've taken two days off. That is, that never happens. Never happens. But there's sometimes it's just the bitter cold days. I there's there's just just some kind of an inst, an instinct that says, "Hey, hibernate." Now that doesn't mean I'll be sleeping, but it doesn't mean it, it does mean that I I'm a little bit more prone to pour myself an extra cup of hot coffee, and uh, just get a little bit more working done inside. But still keeping up with things, still eating best I can, and uh, and still taking the the beef liver. The beef liver capsules a couple times a day. But I can't wait for the springtime training to pop up again. That's a different type than doing things inside and with your shoulders up to your ears. Jane, Jane Jones says, Frank, I'm sending you a, uh, an Anthony wig as soon as I find one. You're going to send me an Anthony wig. I had one of those. Jenna from South Carolina says, Hey, Frank and Chris Ann. Chris Ann, you are a boss. Thank you both for keeping us informed so well. Much love and Merry Christmas. It's great to have her. It's great to have Chris Ann stop by. Thank you, Jenna. Palador Veros says, Hey, Frankie Val and family, love and Christmas blessings from Australia. To think I used to listen to mainstream media five years ago is incomprehensible to me. You have been a huge part of my awakening. Infinite thanks, Frank and Chat. And don't think that you people that are hanging out in the chat room have not have not changed things around for others as well, um, because it's the it's the the back it's the humor the secondary 
humor and the secondary debates and everything else that go on that support the overall experience of the show. That and the forums and the Discord and so many other things. The audience really feeds on itself and most of the time that's a great thing. Most of the time it's a fantastic thing. And here's a, something from Poopy. Poopy says, Frank, surgery went great. She's back home recovering. Thanks to everyone in advance for all the healing thoughts. Um, P.S. For more serious matters, just please say Mr. Butthole. <laughs> I have a serious request from Mr. Butthole tonight. His mom has a little acid reflux, and he's just asking everybody for an extra for air. Oh, thank, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear about that. Merry Christmas to the whole butthole family, especially Yelena. Santa Swan says, all I want for Christmas is hookers and blow. Oh, maybe and an, uh, oh, and maybe an old World War I artillery shell to play hide and go seek with. Is that really Swan? I don't know. There's a lot of people that impersonate him too, and we can't tell the difference. Big Tane says, as a truck driver, I appreciate you uploading the podcast, uh, the up uploading the podcast land so quickly after the show, since I can't watch live shout out to all my fellow truckers out there listening every morning after keep up the great work, Frank. Thank you. Thank you, Big Tane. It's good to have you out there. Uh, can we all agree? Big Tane says that last Christmas by Wham is the worst Christmas song of all time and Christmas Story the most overrated and a Christmas Story the most overrated what say you Franklies thanks for the nightly interaction with the listeners um, I, you know the last Christmas I don't know how I would rate it perhaps it's overrated but I don't know how I, I've never I've never rated it I don't prefer it um but a Christmas story. Uh, I love the I love a Christmas story. I think it's a great story. So I don't know. I think I, I everything takes on after time when it starts reaching cult status. Then I think that it gets inflated just because it becomes fashionable um, a novelty. Some things become overly popular many many years down the road uh because there's a novelty attached to it and there's like a there's a there's a cult following and then it becomes intergenerational and then it's cool for older generations who weren't around for the initial release to to show how much of a frame of reference they have and a, an appreciation for older things and uh it be, it's like cool and retro so there is that effect that happens to certain movies and certain songs and certain actors and actresses who have like this this fourth wind in their 50s and 60s. Nick Cage got that, uh, though he deserves it. Nick Cage is... I, I enjoy Nick Cage. But um, who else? Christopher Walken went through a like a second wind of his popularity. You remember that? Not too long ago. Who else got like these these uh this second win where they just they pop up everywhere uh to like things like toto africa like especially when th once things start becoming uh sucked into the meme world toto africa was huge huge a couple of years ago start charting again 
and that's just the kind of things that happen. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a different kind of rating system. But I don't know what I would say uh, last Christmas by Wham where that is for me. Kenny in Cleveland says, Frank, on my drive home today, I heard Perry Como's The Lord's Prayer for the first time ever, and the euphoria that came over me was indescribable. An absolute must listen. Just thought I'd drop in, uh, drop that in for you to check out. Merry Christmas, everyone. Kenny, I'll definitely, I will listen to that. I haven't heard that before. Tasha Lasko says, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, Tasha." Erica Berica says, ever think about starting a book club? What about a film club? You're such a slacker. Obviously kidding. You're the absolute best. Merry Christmas. I can't wait for next year because of the book club and the film club. I wrote down something. Who had sent it in to me? What was it? Um, aside from, the, I want to watch The Godfather with people at some point during the year. Maybe toward the latter half, of the latter part of 2023 when we're actually reading Mario Puzo's the Godfather, but there's something else that people, oh, I have it all written down at home. I already have some good film club ideas. That'll be good. That's something that we might be able to do once a month because it's just one sitting. You watch a movie. Erica Berica again says, geez, Frank, I would give more if you only interacted with the audience more. I mean, at the very least, you can take calls and read super chats. You could respond to emails and Christmas cards. How about postcards for certain member levels? I, Erica, I'm slipping on all of those things, obviously. I need to rethink my entire life. Thank you, though, honey. Thank you. Anna Marie Nelson. Merry Christmas from Captain Wiggles and the rest of the family. Merry Christmas to all of you. The PRX Nation. For the baubles, the baubles, the baubles. A little bit of a donation so I can go out and buy baubles. The ones that don't crush once you insert them into whatever you want. Sapphire Blue says, thanks for always bringing the darkness into the light by speaking truth to these issues that are upside down. I love the show and I pray for you and your family. Uh, a very Have a very good Christmas. I, have, I hope that you, too, have a great Christmas and a wonderful start to your new year. And then we're just going to have to walk through the minefield together. Rob says, Hi, Frank. I heard you. I first heard you on X-22 and had to listen to your show as soon as the interview was over. Thank you for all the laughs and cozy nights. I never miss a show. I hope you and yours have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Rob. I, I should also say, I forgot to bring it up, that I I got in touch with Dave from the X-22 report because at one point I said, no, 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 no. I got to ask, I, said, and I, I just pretty much told him I was honest. I said, hey, Dave, are, you know, I just, you know, are, are we, are we on, are we really not talking or whatever? And he, apparently he didn't know that we were, he, he said that there was no, no, there's no bad blood at all. I never, I did we just haven't spoken. I said, okay, well, I got in touch a couple of times just to, just to make sure that we were, we were good after our little, you know, little butting of heads on the vaccine and Trump and warp speed and all that. And, um, just wanted to make sure there's no bad blood. He said, no. No, not at all. I still consider you a good friend. I said, well, good. So everything's fine between me and Dave from X-22. I just feel better knowing that there's no problems. I feel better knowing. 
Katie. Oh, that's Katie Mack. That's from last night, Birmingham, Alabama. I'm glad that Katie was there. Thank you guys and gals so much. All right, over to Rumble. And on Rumble, we've got one from Books and Coffee. That's a nice name. Merry Christmas to you and yours, Frank. Enjoy your show so much. Well, I'm glad that you're out there, Books and Coffee. That sounds like the perfect day. And on Foxhole, we have a couple. Remember, it's Wednesday night, so after we're done here in about a half hour, you're all welcome to a Christmassy Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv. I can't wait to hop in there and be there with you guys. Robert Sarn says, Frank and Beans, what's the story? How did you meet? Uh, Tracy, I think Tracy retweeted me. No, what the hell was it? It was Las Vegas. Tracy and I spoke for the first time after the Las Vegas shooting because she was doing, she had somebody call, I don't know what the hell is going on with her YouTube, um, but she, I saw that she had followed my YouTube, subscribed to my YouTube from hers, and of course at that time I had maybe 2,000, less than 2,000 subscribers, and she had about 10,000 subscribers, and I thought, whoa, whoa, a big, this is a, this is a big channel just followed me. And then I saw she had retweeted me something I did on, on Twitter, I reached out, and because I had seen some of her work on YouTube about that particular, the shooting, I said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you come on and talk about what witnesses have been sending into you? And let's keep piecing these things together. So I think, I think that's what it was. It was that late November or late October, early November, 2017. And the rest is history. Started, you know, doing little appearances on the show and uh, it was nice. Actually, I was streaming. I was streaming the uh, State of the Union. I was streaming the State of the Union with Tracy calling in to watch it with me for a little bit on the night that this channel on YouTube hit 10,000 subscribers. That was nice. That was nice. But, um, but yeah. Now all our families are close and it's nice. Keith, thank you so much, Keith. Space Coast Patriot says, I'm so over our government. We are the only ones that give a shit about this country. Biden and others are uh, being blackmailed by Zelensky right in front of our faces. I don't know about that. I mean, this is not what it seems, but I don't I don't think that Zelensky is, is a blackmailer. I think he's a little bit, I think he's more on the 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 puppet side of things and puppet master i don't know um but but yeah this it is a it is a big it is a big mess uncensored abe says much love chris ann the fbi's response calls truth uh conspiracy theory that's the FBI response. You're sure it is. Space Coast Patriot again. Has anyone asked the soldiers if they're willing to forego their paychecks to save the financial future? Uh, well, I mean, it's. I mean, maybe you're being facetious, but paychecks for our armed forces is actually minuscule compared to what else is being spent in the NDAA and things like this omnibus. It is minuscule. The whole point is that you hold soldiers hostage 
and when you look at the omnibus and other things like that, you hold other dependent classes of people hostage so that everything else that is stuffed in there, Trojan horse, uh, is passed. Because the more that you stand on principle and say, no, I'm not, I'm not putting my vote to this unless this, 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 and uh, about a thousand other pages is removed, then that's when you go into, oh, well, this, the government's being shut down because of those, these, these pesky right-wing extremists who hate the troops. It is politically unfeasible. It's politically unfeasible. And that's the most evil thing about all of these gigantic spending packages. It's, it, it's hostage-taking. Hostage-taking. And, and highway robbery. Rosback21 says, I love Chris Ann. Tam Growl says, Amen. Thank you. And Ronald says, Merry Christmas to you and the family. Frankly's included. A happy new year to come. I'm looking forward to the whole thing. You know, I had this other thing from Kelly. She wanted to wish her husband a happy Merry Christmas. It says, I just want to wish my husband, John Urban, he is my best friend, my world, my person. He's the best father to our children. He always puts them and myself first. And she goes on to talk about how he's a man that would dig ditch in 110 degree weather to keep food on the table and how she loves him very much. So I hope that they, the entire Urban family have a great Christmas. Get a lot of emails like that. So happy to be able to get a few on the air. All right. You know, we, we have discussed a little bit. I'm going to open up the calls. Let's take a call right here. Art from New York. What are you feeling tonight, my friend? Uh, 19 equals 20, man. 19 equals 20? In, in Arizona. What do you mean? Oh, it's uh, the, the trial today Yeah. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, the, uh, the printing ballots are supposed to be 20 inch on 20 inch. And here comes the Curry Lake attorney saying that, like, um, the printed process on the day of the vote was 19 inch instead of 20. So that's like a new formula invented in Arizona. I, I, I got to tell you, Art, I don't, I, I knew that there were, I knew that there was a trial going on. There was a couple of different big streamers that were, were watching it all day, streaming it and laying down commentary. I have not gotten, I, I, and actually speaking of Tracy before, I think she was one of those people that were doing that in real time, but I have not gotten any of the updates on that. So I've, uh, ashamed to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Not yet. Not yet. At least. Yeah. I I apologize if I oh. interfere. No, 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 not <laughs> at all, not at all. I just it's my fault. I that I didn't I didn't uh, at least brush up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I take my um, my statement in the land of being a New Yorker watching the Curry Lake, uh, you know, case in Arizona, on stating that uh, Americans are one. You know, it's one of those things are. It's one of those things that I wish that as New Yorkers, that it must be exciting, uh, no matter where it goes over there in Arizona, it must be exciting to see something of real, uh, a, a real fight being 
being uh, waged somewhere and, and, and passion really winning out. We don't have a lot of that bubbling on the inside of, of our borders over here, but it's great to see somebody else doing it for once. Indeed. And they stand up for it by spending the whole day watching the game, and uh, that's why I was trying to put the input of uh, the 19 equal 20. I'm going to get a little bit more of an understanding on that for the new uh, for the new week, or I, I I definitely will. The next couple of days will give us some uh, some some clarity, I'm sure. And and I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show tonight. Thanks for the call, buddy. I will. Thank you so much, man. And uh, Merry Christmas again to you, to your family, and the Franklin family. You got. It. And you know what? We still have two more. We still have two more nights left. We still got tomorrow, and we've got Friday. So there's. Maybe we, we get another call from people like Art. Does Maybe it's not the last time. All right, 914-595-6953, you can call in. I have a few things that we can go to, but one thing I have to do, because we've been talking a lot about gifts, badass gifts, uh, dangerous gifts. What about hilarious gifts? I, I don't know. I would love to do a, a thread one day about people's favorite pranks that they have pulled on others that did not get somebody hurt or killed. And when I say hurt, maybe even emotionally damaged as well. Something that just really worked out perfectly um, for everybody. And even for the victim of the prank, they were able to eventually laugh about it and really appreciate the memory. But this one takes the cake for me, or it's, it's up there. I love this one. This is the story of the guy in Utah who gave his Mormon parents an Obi-Wan Kenobi portrait. Okay, Ewan McGregor. And the mom hangs it up thinking it's Jesus Christ. Star Wars is such a big deal around the globe, having built up an impressively large and dedicated fandom, that one could even say that it has become a bit of a religion. Well, okay, it's technically not a religion, and even the subsequent Jediism movement can't be called a religion, rather a philosophy, but you can't say that people haven't tried putting a religious spin on it. Like this one guy who comes, uh, who comes Christmas, gifts, gifted his very Mormon parents a very artistic interpretation of Jesus Christ. Well, by artistic interpretation, we mean a portrait of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. Now, this is... <laughs> We when, when we saw you and McGregor, because this is the way that uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi character looked in uh, in Episode Two, okay, for the Clone Wars. When we saw that, I said he, he looks a lot like Jesus, don't he? <laughs> Meet Ryan Buchanan, a guy from Utah who had a very mischievous yet brilliant idea back in Christmas of 2018. You see, his parents are religious folk, active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or more commonly known as Mormons, so he thought it would be very appropriate to get them something that is within the actual theme of Christmas. Since there have always been paintings of Jesus Christ in the home he grew up in, it was only natural he'd get his parents a portrait of Jesus. Well, that ain't no Jesus, that's Ewan McGregor as <laughs> Kenobi. But someone did actually hang it as a painting on their wall, thinking it's Jesus. Well, come Christmas Day, and he hands his parents a rectangular gift. They tear off the polka dot wrapping to see, well, a very artistic rendition of who they think is Jesus Christ. 
As soon as they turned the picture toward Ryan saying how well it was done and how they haven't seen this one before, Ryan's camera uh, that was set up to the film, the reaction actually captures a different face. The portrait is actually of Ewan McGregor. Ewan Gorgon, Gordon, I didn't know that was his middle name, Gordon McGregor, the actor who played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars franchise, wearing the iconic Jedi attire. Look look at them holding it up. (laughs) The parents bought it and were very happy with the portrait so much that it ended up on their wall. Ryan ended up posting the picture hung on the wall of the parents' place on Reddit with the caption, I've made a huge mistake. Mom loves her Jesus Christmas present, and I'm not sure how to get out of this alive when she figures out. He got the idea to do this from another Redditor who had sometime before that cracked the joke that Obi-Wan Kenobi looked oddly reminiscent of Jesus Christ. And since Ryan admitted that he was always a bit of a prankster, this was the perfect idea. You watch the video, you will hear how his mother even says, why are you smiling? As if she's on to him, but never suspects a thing. And that made the internet laugh out loud. So he smiles into the camera and there everybody's happy. Now, this ain't the first time Ewan McGregor has been mistaken for Jesus Christ because of his role in Star Wars, as there was another Redditor whose brother swapped a picture of Jesus at their parents' house with a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi as portrayed by Ewan McGregor, and they didn't notice. And of course, the Mormon church uh, themselves have even featured Ewan McGregor on the cover of one of their Sunday programs. The designer of the program claimed that they were well aware of who that was, but I guess it was just too tempting not to do it at this point. But there's another picture. <laughs> there's another picture. I guess that's the one that the other Redditor swapped out on the, in the parents' uh, living room. Yes, he's, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And there you go. There's a little bit more. There's an Obi-Wan slipped into the into the program. Anyway. Anyway, that's what I loved. That's what I loved the most. I love little things like that. Harmless. Harmless, but hilarious. Little trolling. Little trolling moments from history. All right. 914-595-6953. We'll take another call. But there's so much. Hey, you know what I'll do while we wait for some calls because we have the, we have the last 10 minutes here of the show. I'm going to jump into a couple of more out of the mouths of babes. Profound, crazy, funny, scary things that little children have said to members of this audience. We're on page three out of five. I want to do a few more. So 914-595-6953, here's one from Soberless Thoughts, who says, I'm taking my daily 6 a.m. poo when my four-year-old son kicks open the bathroom door and looks at me in the eye with an expression that instantly reminded me of Jack Torrance. He says in a whispered tone, no sleep, stupid. What? I'm trying desperately not to laugh and say, hey, buddy, you shouldn't call people names, in which he replies in the same hushed tone with the same crazy look in his face, then you should change your name to stupid. And he walks out of the bathroom, leaving the door wide open. Whoa. Jeez. That is nuts. That is very Jack Torrance. Very Jack Torrance. And speaking of Torrance and rabbit holes, I just got a little 
Uh, message over here from Abe. Tonight's Christmas-themed Rabbit Hole Wednesday will consist of some insider and behind-the-scenes footage of an, uh, wait, of a wrapping up of and wrapping up with our feature movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tonight's broadcast will be hosted by Chode Man, since he's one of the creative minds behind the style this style of quite frankly it may interest the Franklys as to why this particular movie has always been one of the of his absolute favorites. Join us tonight for Rabbit Hole Wednesday only on quitefrankly.tv. So does that mean you guys are going to go live? There's going to be some there's going to be some back and forth, some some behind the mic action because I want to start doing a lot more of that uh, in the new year where we have more live interactive after shows, um, additional rounds of calls from the audience and things like that. That's what I want to know. Insider behind-the-scenes footage and wrapping up with our feature movie. And it's going to be hosted by Chode Man. So it sounds like there's going to be somebody behind the mic for at least certain portions of tonight's after show before the feature goes on and then all the late-night programming. But show up. It's only a couple of minutes away. You can open up a tab in your browser to quitefrankly.tv right now and get ready to press play. Let's do one more, then we're going to end the show, actually. Biden's diaper says, My son, now seven years old, has always had a way of uh, kiss, K-I-S-S, keeping it simple, stupid. He'll often come up with the new with new words for existing names that make more sense than the original name, such as head window for sunroof or fire bags for the little hand warmers you put in your pocket. But one of the funniest examples of keeping it simple he had took uh, he had took place had took place at my wife's cousin's farm. We arrived to visit the farm as a cow was in labor in the barn. None of my family had ever witnessed this spectacle, so we thought it would be a good lesson in the miracle of life for the kids. And we gathered around the spectacle, or to spectate. My son was around five years old at the time, and I could tell. From the beginning, he wasn't 100% in on what he was observing. The cow was struggling a bit with the delivery and was mooing so loud that the sides on the barn started to shake. After five minutes or so, my son tapped out and wanted to hang out by the pig pen about 50 feet away where he could still see. But the noise wasn't as intense. The cow, still struggling to push out its calf, needed some help. So the farmer ran to the shop to get some sort of chain type of device to wrap around the calf's legs so he can pull out the chain. Uh, he can pull on the chain while the cow pushed to help get the calf out. I glanced over at my son who was still standing over by the pig pen, mouth agape and in awe of what was unfolding before his very eyes. There was another five to ten minutes of extreme mooing. Extreme pulling on the chains by the farmer and now who had now had the chains wrapped around his forearms with one foot on the concrete curb for leverage behind the cow, really putting all his uh, his all into it. Can you imagine that having a, a calf stuck that that snugly inside of you. Uh, yeah, until finally. The blob of a baby cow came splashing out into a pile on the barn floor. My first thought was that there was a very fine line between miracles and nightmares and that most of the difference is in perception. Once the excitement and the noise had settled down and the calf was in the clear, my son comes back over and he uh, came back over and we talked about what just happened. After a couple of minutes of Q&A, he paused for some retrospection. 
And then he looked at my wife and I and summarized the event with, quote, they should just make that hole bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Referring to the cow's vagina, of course, which, yes, would be the would be better off having a little extra wiggle room. They should just make that hole bigger. Said no one else. That's hilarious. They should just make that hole bigger. There is a show on television somewhere. Lauren was watching it about a year ago. It's this like uh, cow doctor. I don't know, but saw a lot of cows be born last year. A couple of stillbirths. That was always sad. You know, it's very emotional for the the mama cow as well. It was, um, I don't know. I don't know. You farmers, man. Incredible. Incredible jobs you have. Just incredible. Well, that's a good night. That's a good night for me. And I want to go through the super chats real quick, make sure I didn't leave anybody behind. Nothing there. Nothing there. I think we're all caught up. Everything well. Good, good, good. And over on Foxhole, we have, let's see, Bacon Slut says, cheers. Cheers to you, slut. Distilled says, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and Merry Christmas to you all as well. I'm going to release the scratching, and if you just stay right there on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole, we are going to be getting started with our after-hours programming right away. Now, for the rest of us, uh, that brings us to the close, ladies and gentlemen, and we leave off on another tradition that I wait all year to experience again. And I have that kind of self-control, with this at least, that I wait all year to experience it on this night. So uh, for those of you who are new, back in 2016, my brother and my father, they got together here at the studio in the production room over there to start what became their own little tradition of recording a Christmas song either on Christmas Eve or the 23rd, something right around there. And in 2016, that was their first year, they picked Oh Holy Night, which we did a deep dive into last night. And this was sent to me, I remember where I was at that time. I was in my living room, Anthony published it on Christmas Eve, and um, I was playing a video game, I think. Had an hour to spare on Christmas Eve. And it started out, this, as you'll see, this video starts out with a compilation of my brother and my father struggling to get the song right to get the tone right and of course they can't stop laughing and it literally took them hours before they they put out something that they were happy with and it's just a lovely roller coaster of emotion watching it then it still is today so i hope you enjoy i hope you enjoy this first this first of uh, many christmas duets that my brother and father produced together um it'll always be a tradition on this show this time of year and i can't wait to see you all tomorrow Thank you again, Chris Ann Hall. Tomorrow we will be welcoming John Paul Rice to do a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra, and some other good stuff as the, the holiday week rolls to a close. So with that, thanks again. I'll see you in the emails, and I'll see you in the chat room on quitefrankly.tv. Um, is that all I have? I think so. All right. Nighty night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. 
конец. I thought you were starting to laugh. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Sounds like I was being scalded by a by a uh, hot wax. Holy night! Oh, holy night! This is not right. I am so mad. Oh, holy night! Oh. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long live. <laughs>
Catch you on the flip side. Thank you to all my wonderful super chatters tonight, and I can't wait to see you all tomorrow. For now, please join me on QuiteFrankly.tv and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. Until tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tonight. <laughs>